Hello and welcome to The Shepherd's Voice, the podcast of Catoctin Covenant Presbyterian Church here in Percival, Virginia. My name is Pastor Ben Franks and I'm here with Pastor Charles Biggs. Good morning. Good morning. So Pastor Biggs, we are uh, back looking at the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, looking at Lord's Day 25 today. I was wondering if you could read those uh, questions and answers that we find in that Lord's Day and help us understand uh, what the, the Catechism is trying to teach us from God's Word. Yes, well, we've come to the section now uh, in our union with Christ where we will, on this uh, 25th Sabbath, we will uh, look at questions 65 through 68. So let me read those questions with answer, and then um, I will uh, say a few things about them. We can talk about them together. Question 65, since then we are made partakers of Christ and all his benefits by faith only. Whence does this faith proceed? Answer, from the Holy Spirit, who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. And then question 66, what are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals appointed of God for this end, that by the use thereof, he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, namely that he grants us freely the remission of sin and life eternal for the sake of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. And then finally, question 68, how many sacraments how many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Or the oh yes, I see it at the top. Okay, and then question sixty-seven: Are then both word and sacraments ordained and appointed for this end, that they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground for our salvation? Answer: Yes, indeed. For the Holy Ghost teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that the whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ, which he offered for us on the cross. And then finally, question 68, how many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Answer, two, holy baptism and the Holy Supper or the Lord's Supper. So baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two sacraments that Jesus has instituted and given to us in the New Covenant uh, that we are privileged uh, to observe and to experience by God's grace in Christ. The first thing I uh, think of when I think of the sacraments and uh, studying the sacraments, I think of Hebrews 13, 20 to 21, where it says that the God of peace, it's a benediction, it says, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will. The sacraments are the equipment that God gives us through his mediator, through our risen, ascended, enthroned Christ at God's right hand, because of his cross, because of his once and for all full and final sacrifice on the cross, uh, propitiating God's wrath and uh, causing a just God uh, to forgive us our sins because we have one who took our sin debt upon himself on the cross fully and finally. And we're forgiven and freed. The sacraments remind me 
of that equipment that God has graciously uh, given uh, to his church. We historically, uh, from uh, the Book of Common Prayer, have defined sacraments, I think, very helpfully as the outward and visible signs of an inward spiritual grace. And so in the Heidelberg Catechism, the first thing that's pointed out to us in question 65 is that our faith uh, in Christ is a gift that is given um, by God in Christ by his Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. So central uh, at the heart of our discussion of the sacraments must always be first and foremost the word and how the word declares or proclaims to us uh, what God has done for us in Christ. Thus the reason Hebrews 13, the, the God of peace who brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant. Um, the cross uh, is central in our understanding of the sacraments because it is that heart or fulfillment of what God has promised in the covenant of grace that I will be your God and you will be my people. So it's not the sacraments that give us that faith necessarily, mm -hmm. but it's by faith that we yes. receive and, and benefit from those gifts of equipment, the sacraments that God has given. Yes, and I think that's why it's important to begin the discussion by thinking of God the Father, the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, and through his mediation equips us, so that everything is Christ-centered as we think of the sacraments, even thinking of the outward, uh, visible means of, of, a, of, a, of an invisible spiritual grace that God gives us through Christ by his Holy Spirit. And so, First and foremost is the preaching of the word, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we call that a means of grace because the preaching, the proclamation of that word tells us that I am a God who desires to be your people in Christ. And in Christ, I forgive you all your sins. And in Christ, you will experience all the benefits and blessings of being uh, my people, being part of my family, of, of being my children and uh, being called by my name. And so... After uh, the confession or the catechism uh, focuses us on that importance of the word, of hearing and believing that word, that I will be your God in Christ and you will be my people, he then uh, wants to confirm and seal it. And so that's where question 66, what are the sacraments? Now, that word is rather strange to some. Some would rather use ordinances. Um, sacraments comes from a Latin word uh, that just uh, is from a word from Greek mystery, uh, musterion, and it was translated in a Latin translation as sacramentum, and we get sacrament, so it's a mystery. Um, sacrament, uh, as a, uh, that's the origin of the word, but the meaning behind it uh, is that it is, as the Heidelberg Catechism gives us in question 66, holy, visible, signs and seals. And if you notice, they're appointed by God, God the Father, for this end, for this goal, this is the purpose, this is the telos, that they would more fully and declare and seal the promise of the gospel. 
And this is where our King and Father is so gracious, where our God of peace has not only sent his only Son and uh, accomplished our salvation through his precious blood, bringing him back from the dead, seating him at his right hand, and giving us the Holy Spirit, but he wants us not only to hear that, but he speaks to us as whole-bodied creatures. He wants us not just to use our ears to with our faith, but he wants to also condescend and very kindly and generously reveal himself uh, to our other senses, um, to to uh, to 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 our bodies, uh, to you know, when in our water is uh, as we know from Scripture something that symbolizes the washing away of dirt. We feel that water when we get in the shower in the morning. It's cleansing and it's very refreshing, and so that's a sign that points to the refreshing and the cleansing we get from Christ and His cross. Um, we taste and see the Lord is good, literally, in, in taking the bread and the wine uh, in the Lord's Supper. And the Spirit then makes that effectual. And that's what's meant when we talk about signs and seals. Now, this has been illustrated in many ways. There's two primary ways that I think uh, uh, are helpful illustrations. Uh, the first is to think of our God and Father as King, who has declared, hear ye, hear ye, through the gospel word, I forgive sinners in Jesus Christ. Come to me through the completed work of Jesus Christ, the substitutionary sacrifice for sinners. Come to me. Um, and I will forgive you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Again, that's the declaration. That's, that's what he uh, says by proclamation. But then the same king says, I know you're weak, and I know you're apt to forget this, and even you're apt to forget especially the obligations of what it means to live in light of that. And so I'm going to seal this for you in a letter. I'M GOING TO WRITE IT DOWN. I'M GOING TO GIVE IT TO YOU IN INK AND PAPER. I'M GOING TO PROCLAIM IT TO YOU REGULARLY THROUGH WORD, BUT I ALSO WANT YOU TO SEE IT. I WANT YOU TO FEEL IT. I WANT YOU TO BE ABLE TO OPEN UP THIS SEAL. AND SO IT'S LIKE A, a HISTORICAL KINGLY SEAL WHERE IT'S ENCLOSED IN AN ENVELOPE, AND THEN THE, seals, the SEAL OF THE KING IS PLACED ON IT WITH WAX AND, and PRESSED DOWN and, AND SAID, THIS IS MY PROMISE TO YOU. HOLD ON TO IT. ANOTHER MORE Perhaps a, a modern way of thinking of it, about it that's helpful is when we're looking for a place, say, an amusement park or a historical place, uh, we see a sign on the side of the road. And the sign says, um, here, here is the historical Mount Vernon, or here is Six Flags Amusement Park, or whatever, or uh, Disney World, whatever it is. Um, this is the sign. We don't stop at the sign. We use the sign to look and see something uh, where we, we, we're pointed away from the sign to the actual location. When we arrive and we actually are there experiencing this historical location or this amusement park, we often are sealed uh, with something on our arms or hands so that we can go in and out freely into the park, out of the park, uh, and, and, and enjoy ourselves all day, whatever the event, um, whatever the place. That's a seal. The seal is that experience of having been there, the experience of knowing that um, you've not only experienced the sign, but you actually have um, received a seal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, I just was thinking about the, um, we'll, we'll probably come back to this yes. verse in, in later episodes as we continue to talk about the sacraments, but that language of, 
of sign and seal is coming straight from Romans 4, isn't it? I was going to... Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. Um, that's very helpful. Before I go to Romans 4, if I could also read Genesis 17 and then Romans 4 in light of it, my brother. Um, yes, thank you so much for bringing that up. That language of sign and seal is right from Scripture. I want uh, to show how the sign of uh, those those visible outward signs and seals of an inward uh, invisible spiritual grace is given early on when God gives the sign and the seal of circumcision to Abraham, who already has believed God and trusted in him. But listen to the language. This is in Genesis 17, 7. Again, a summary, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's always the summary of the gospel throughout the whole covenant of grace from beginning to end. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will be your God. You will be my people. There it is. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you uh, the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. The land of Canaan, as we know, especially from Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16, uh, was a, an earthly type of a heavenly reality. It was pointing uh, forward and upward to the city of God, the heavenly Zion. And then at the end of verse 8 in chapter 17, it says, I will be their God. So it's not just that I'll be your God, Abraham, I will be their God. And then in verse 11, he says something uh, most important with regard to the signs and the seals. He says, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And then he says at the end of verse 13, so shall my covenant be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. So the sign and the thing signified that covenant promise, that gospel message that I will be your God and you'll be my people is, uh, is not only signified uh, here in the, the circumcision, the old covenant, it is, if you will, the covenant itself. It's so closely related. That's most important because the promise to send Christ and the actual fulfillment of Christ coming is all because of the triumph of God and his faithfulness. So verse 14 says, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So to not have the sign in that sense is to break the covenant. Now, when Paul interprets this, looking uh, back at this passage and really all of the context of uh, Genesis 15 through chapter 17, he says uh, pointedly, he says, Abraham believed God. That is, he believed his promise. He believed his word and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's verse three. Very important. And then uh, he also uses David as an example of justification by faith alone through Christ alone, through the promise of Christ in the Old Covenant. But then in verse 9, it says, is this blessing then only for the circumcised? In other words, is it only for those who've received the outward sign of the covenant, those who are circumcised, or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. In other words, Abraham... Uh, received uh, justification from God, a right standing before God through the instrumentation of faith in believing God, period, period, while he was uncircumcised. And so Paul's accenting that. He says, verse 10, how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. 
And so here's verse 11, where the seal, the sign and the seal, uh, where we have the biblical language. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. And the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And verse 12, very important for all of us um, who have ears to hear today, to make Abraham the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised. That is, it's not merely an outward sign. It's an inward, invisible, spiritual reality through belief in Christ and uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. So who, who are not merely outwardly circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. And so we have that outward sign in the Old Testament. We're going to make a distinction, uh, I think, in one of our later episodes, so I'll save it for then. But just for briefly, um, before the coming of Christ, in the time of promise, in the Old Covenant, you have the outward sign and seal that God will be God, and uh, we will be his people. God will be our God, we'll be his people. And that's received through faith alone, and ultimately through belief in Christ alone, um, as he was revealed in the time of promise. Ultimately, fully revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus in his coming, in, in the time of fulfillment. In the time of promise, uh, the circumcision was a bloody sign on men, because the promise was through the seed of the woman. The seed would come. And there would be a culmination of a blood sacrifice in the New Covenant. And we'll talk more about this. But this is just a, the reason why there's differences is because uh, Christ has come, shed his blood completely, finally, fully for us and forgiveness our sins. God is our God in Christ and we receive the Holy Spirit. And so there's a bloodless sign and seal for us and for our children, wa water. Um, and then uh, the, 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 the Lord's Supper to remember the death. Um, of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, at the end, uh, we could say much more. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll limit it to that for this one, if, if I may. Um, but, but at the uh, verse, uh, verse uh, question 68, I'm only saying verses whenever I see anything. Uh, que in question 68, uh, we're given the two particular sacraments. So what are the two um, sacraments that are outward visible signs and seals of the inward, invisible um, spiritual reality of the covenant of grace. And they are two. Um, they are baptism and the Lord's Supper. This is particularly um, useful if you remember in the time of the Reformation, brother, uh, Roman Catholicism formally taught that there were seven. In addition to baptism and the Lord's Supper, uh, there was also confirmation, and there was uh, holy orders, uh, there was marriage, there was penance, and then there was last rites. And while we think highly of marriage, and we think highly of ordination, we will only call baptism and Lord's Supper sacraments of the new covenant because those are the only two ordinances or sacraments instituted particularly by Jesus Christ. And so we seek to be biblical. Yeah, yeah. And that's so helpful. And, it, you know, I, I think having, as, as you walk us through, and like you said, we'll unpack this more, but um, the, the, the Old Testament background of these things you know, question 68 is is both kind of speaking to that historical situation where many in the New Covenant are trying to 
create or add sacraments to what Christ had instituted. And it kind of walls that off and says, no, Christ has instituted these. But it's also kind of hinting for us, you know, these are the sacraments in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. But there are these Old Testament sacraments. I think the, the Westminster Confession even kind of uses that language, that there are these signs and seals that God gave, like circumcision and other things, which we need to pay attention to if we're going to understand the New Covenant signs. There's a, there's a distinction to be made, but there's a relationship there. And so this is really where we have to start before we start talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper in depth, is to do exactly what what we've tried to do here today of laying a foundation of how does the Bible, Old and New Testament, speak about the signs and seals that God gives, the sacraments that he has ordained to help us understand and be assured of and confirmed in the gospel word that is preached and proclaimed. And that gives us something that we can then build on and use as we go to understand those two sacraments that Christ has given us. Absolutely, absolutely. The thing we want to understand foundationally with regard to the sacraments is how our Heavenly Father has promised to be our God and we be His people in Christ and that He knows that our faith can be weak and He knows that we can forget easily. I mean, the whole of the Old Covenant, uh, as well as some of the New, but especially the Old Covenant, is a history of uh, forgetting to remember God's faithfulness. And so he puts, uh, he not only declares and proclaims to us his promises in Christ, but he also gives us signs and seals to aid us in our faith and to aid us in our response of gratitude and in, in, of gratitude to his grace in living faithfully uh, in reliance upon his spirit uh, for him. If you'd like to learn more, you can find resources about this and many other topics on our church website, www.katoctin.org. That's www.ketoctin.org. You can find out more about the work of Pastor Biggs as the regional home missionary of the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic at www.joiningtheharvest.org. If you found this episode to be useful, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. If you have questions that you would like us to answer or consider in a future episode, you can send those to us at shepherdsvoicepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we encourage you to join us for our next episode of The Shepherd's Voice.